Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I'm delighted to welcome my very special guest to the show today, Devorah Zach. Devorah, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, I'm so excited because you have written this extraordinary book about single tasking. But before we dive into a conversation, I want to tell the listening audience about you. Devorah Zach is CEO of Only Connect Consulting Incorporated, and she's the author of three books each published globally in as many as 25 languages. Her newest book is Single-Tasking, Get More Done, One Thing at a Time. She's an international expert in leadership development and an award-winning keynote speaker, consultant, and coach. And Devorah, do I need your book. (laughs) I am a fellow coach and author and speaker as well, and my life is beautifully busy, but I am so excited to learn more about how I can release myself (laughs) from overachieving, as you say in the book, and and develop um, this wonderful new art of of single tasking. So what prompted you to write the book? I consult to thousands of people in all different kinds of industries globally, as you mentioned. And I noticed over the past 20 years of my practice that people are getting more and more stressed out. And it's really interesting that years ago, um, the experts in productivity predicted we would have more free time than ever in the in the 21st century and we have less free time than ever and that yeah. is because we are following the wrong rules and what we need to do is go back to our roots which is what our human brain is really hardwired to do which is to single task we'll get more done and we'll have more time so are you um prone to this or were you you know before you wrote the book or have you always been a single tasker no, I wish I'd always been a single tasker. Of course, I'm prone to it, just like so many of us are. I mean, really, we're indoctrinated within our in our society that uh, the way to tackle our overwhelming lives is to try fruitlessly, I might add, to yeah. do more than one thing at a time. And I really have one question for for our listeners who think that multitasking is 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 the way to go. And my question is. How is it working for you so far? Right. <laughs> How's that going? Yeah. Right. Do you find yourself more relaxed with more time and uh, more getting more things done? Or do you find yourself overwhelmed, making more mistakes, and uh, feeling more stressed out? Yeah. I mean, it actually changes my physiology. You know, I can hear my heart and feel my heart speed up a little bit. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very excited to learn how to become a better single tasker. And what I find fascinating in the career development realm, you know, there was a generation where we, we literally applauded that in the, in the job interview. You know, can you multitask? It was almost a standard interview question. And it was a competency that we looked for in the workforce. But thank goodness you're shedding light on why this is not good. That's right. And in fact, there's a really specific reason why I'm shedding light on why to single task is because multitasking is, in fact, a myth. It is impossible to multitask. And our brains are, cannot do more than one thing at a time. And what we colloquially call multitasking is actually what the neuroscientists call task shifting. Mm. And that means when our brains rapidly move back and forth between tasks. And when we task shift, 
we are 40% less productive than when we can focus on one thing at a time. Now, to be fair, I can I can hear in my head, right, the, the thousands of women and men listening to this saying, okay, so what about, let's take a mom, for example, you know, who comes home from work and she's holding the baby that she hasn't seen all day in daycare and she's trying to get dinner on the table. And by the way, the dog also needs to be fed and she's texting with her boss what about her? What does she What does <laughs> okay. she do? Right? Because sometimes it just happens. Okay. So an opening line I have in the book is, <laughs> I am despondent over my ample qualifications to write this book. So it just so happens I'm a single mom of three boys there you <laughs> and go. a business owner. <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> so I'm totally qualified to answer that question whether Good. I like it or not. And I'm here to say that even under these conditions – we are more successful, I should say, especially under these conditions, to do one thing at a time. We're going to be more successful at being parents, at being employees, and at being human beings in any kind of relationship. Our relationships are going to thrive and we'll be, get more done and have more free time when we do one thing at a time. It's, it, it, it's surprising, but there's all kinds of evidence. For example, when we attempt to do more than one thing at a time, our gray matter in the brain shrinks. We are actually mm. shrinking our brains in the prefrontal cortex. It gets smaller when we try and do more than one thing at a time. Our relationships suffer. We are living distracted lives, and we're not being good parents, uh, wives, mothers, dads, employees, when we try and do two things at once. We make mistakes. We have terrible, terrible accidents. I mean, there's a terrible, a higher fi uh, fatality rate uh, from distracted driving than there is from driving under the influence. Wow. And... We are absolutely missing our lives. We are not present. It's what I call scattered brain syndrome. We are not present in our own lives. The stakes are very high. You know, that that's really fascinating. And thank you, by the way, for giving the listeners permission to say it's okay, right? Because I think there's a certain amount of guilt involved with some to say, okay, I'm just going to focus on one thing at a time. And it's it's being mindful, right? And it's being present. So you mentioned a few other things that will improve when we go to single tasking. What else? You know, productivity, relationships, other other, you know, obvious things that we're not yes. considering? You name it. Think of one thing in your life you want to be better at, whether it's a hobby, mm. a sport, a, an interaction, a career, anything you apply single tasking to. And I, I've learned this through working with thousands of people and my own work and lots and lots of research. Anything you want to apply to, you will be amazed, not only at a higher sense of satisfaction and productivity, but also you will end up having more time instead of less. Nice. You know, I also liken it to uh, wellness and, and better health, right? Because I, I look at clients and colleagues who are wolfing down that lunch on the go. And, and you think, my gosh, you're going to choke yourself. You're not even chewing. You're, you're just swallowing. And they're so busy doing so many things. So it's got to improve our health, doesn't it? That's right. That's right. I love that example. I'm so even dietitians, it can help you lose weight. Single tasking yeah. can even help you lose weight. Dietitians have found that when you focus on eating when you're eating, you, you uh, digest the food better. And a recent Harvard study found that when people are eating lunch and they don't attempt to multitask, in other words, they don't try and do work during lunch, but they only enjoy their lunch the, and the take food. that hour, 45 minutes off from work, they're more productive over the course of the day and the week than when they try and work through lunch. So right. it's really great news. So what if your employer encourages you or even writes into your job description multitasking? Because I truly still see that in job descriptions. Absolutely, right. It's horrifying. <laughs> I was recently featured on a radio show and I noticed the guest the, the day before me, the write-up was 
learn how to multitask. Ah! <laughs> so if you though, if you as the listener is, is found that you, you're maybe applying for jobs and you see that it says multitasking, here's what I recommend is to say to the employer, what, what do you mean by that? What, what specific goals are you, are you, do you think are important or, or, or what traits are important? And more often than not, what they'll say, what they mean when they're saying multitasking is one of two things. One is that they mean you need to have a lot of different types of skills. The other is that they, what they mean is you need to accomplish a lot during the day. And either of those are absolutely achievable by single tasking. There's a big misconception that the idea of not multitasking or what I call single tasking means that you're somehow plodding along or carrying one piece of paper at a time to the recycle bin right. or um, you know, being low energy. That's not true at all. Single tasking actually burns a lot of energy and you can be highly, highly productive single tasking. It means having sharp focus on what is the primary task in front of you at the time as opposed to having dissipated energy. And there's something called flow. And flow means when you are a higher state of productivity, when your brain waves are all focused on one task. And by definition, you cannot enter a state of flow when you're trying to do two things at once, which is the equivalent of multitasking. So the only way to be highly productive is by focusing all your energy on this, the particular task you need to focus on at that time. Love it. So we're, we're focusing on the state of flow. And thank you again for helping the listeners reframe that interview question, right? And the career coach in me says, okay, this is great. So if someone comes at you with that question, redirect it and unpack why single tasking is effective. Exactly. So, you don't even need to get in a big argument with them. You can no. leave that to me. Give them my card. I'll get an <laughs> Right. For a job. Have I got an expert for you. And say, okay, so when you say you need to ask, what specifically do you, do you, do you seek in your, in, yeah. your, in your hires? And then yeah. just understand what the real meaning of what they're saying is. So let me just ask some really basic multitasking, or let me, let me create some scenarios, and you tell me if they're inappropriate. So what if I'm driving and listening to the radio or listening to a book on tape? Is that bad? I love that question. Thank you for asking, because... There's a section of my book called When Multitasking Isn't Multitasking. Okay. <laughs> okay. So and people ask me this kind of thing a lot. They say, I can, I can like do dishes and talk on the phone, or I can engage in conversation with my passenger when I'm driving. So multitasking is a term used when two tasks are competing for activity in the brain. Now, okay. if you're engaged, if one of the two activities you're engaged in is an, autom is an automated function that does not count as multitasking. So if you're on a conference call and squeezing a stress ball, if you're driving and listening to the radio, that's totally fine. That does not count as multitasking because one of those functions is totally automated. So would, would running on the treadmill while listening to music or maybe even watching a program, because you just see that in the gyms, right? right? That's fine. 20 that's, treadmills it, it, lined it, it, up with TVs. That's right. That, okay. that, that is fine as long as one function is automated. Now it is a little bit of a slippery slope. So you want to be careful because sometimes what we, what we think might be automated really isn't. So some people think that walking and texting is okay because mm. walking is automated. It is not. No, no, there, no. The, the number of accidents from walking and texting, not even including vehicles, uh, accidents that involve vehicles has quadrupled in the last two years. So there, if you think, oh, it's fine. Of course I can text and be totally aware of my environment while I'm walking. You probably can't. As one neuroscientist I quote in the book says, the brain is very good at deceiving itself. So really err in the, in the, in, towards discretion because a lot of people have had problems walking into traffic, 
falling downstairs, oh, yeah. I mean, fall, you, walking into other people. So you do, do want to be careful. Well, I agree. And you need to be conscious of your surroundings. You need to be safe. I can't tell you how many pedestrians I've seen walk into other people or, you know, buildings because they've got their face buried in their phone. That's correct. That's correct. Because just keep reminding yourself, the brain cannot do two things at once. And really, it is incapable of multitasking, of doing two things that require conscious attention. So let me share another scenario that I bet our listeners can relate to, what I call multi-tabbing, right? You've got your computer up and you've got email, or maybe you even have two screens, right? So that's just aiding and abetting multitasking. And, you know, you've got a million different tabs open that you're toggling between. Bad, right? That is bad. So what I suggest is that there, I have a lot of different techniques that I introduce in, in the book Multitasking. And one of the techniques is what I call building fences. So once a distraction is in front of us, it's virtually impossible to avoid it. So if I'm on a phone call with a potential new client and one of my colleagues sends me an email and it becomes a pop-up on my screen saying, hey, you know, want me to pick up some Chinese food for you at lunch from our favorite place? It's almost impossible for me to not respond or at right. least thinking right. about it. Instead, what you want to do is build fences around potential distractions before they occur. So if you're in a situation that requires high focus, turn off the auditory dings, turn off the pop-up messages, maybe even close down your computer or turn away from it or cover up the screen so that you don't require superhuman strength in overcoming temptation. You, you eliminate the temptation before it occurs. And a lot of us also think we, we can somehow get away with things that we can't. Like, oh, if I'm on a conference call, I'm going to be super efficient and also respond to emails right. during that time, so I'll get a lot done. People notice, and if you're listening right now, think about it. I'm sure you can think of examples where you've noticed this. When you're on a phone call or a conference call with someone, and there's a barely perceptible, but it's still perceptible. Oh, it's the typing. Yeah. There's, oh, there's the typing, and there's also when there's a tiny little pause between a question and a response. Uh, and you know it's because someone has been doing something else. Yeah. Or when someone says, oh, can you repeat that? Or, or um, they, they sort of stutter. They're not really sure what you just said. That's because they're trying to do more than one thing at once. It does not increase your effectiveness as a professional at all. Well, and it's also rude. Let's just be honest, right? And I, and I find it fascinating. I, I teach a lot of professional poise and etiquette, and I think we really need to honor the people with whom we are communicating, whether it is via technology or in person. And when we don't give them our undivided attention, it's disrespectful. That is correct. And it seems such like such a simple, basic idea, and yet it is an epidemic. We are, we are relentlessly disrespectful to people in, front, in our lives every day. If you go out to lunch, whether personal or professional, look around, you will see people on their phones without a doubt. So instead of having your phone face up when you go out to lunch, and if someone happens to text, oh, let me just take this call real quick, keep it out of the way. Turn it face down. Put it in your bag. Focus on the person in front of you. When in doubt about where to focus your energy, focus on the person who is physically with you at that time. So I don't know how old your kids are, but do you have a family rule that, you know, no phones when you're together as a family or eating a meal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And believe me, they are very tough on me as the author of single tasking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, are you multitasking? <laughs> you, you've got some built-in accountability masters. I like it. So, Devorah, walk me through the process, though, right? Because now intellectually I understand, but how do I stop? Do I literally take a break? Do I walk away? Or is there a pulse or a beat? You know, what's the process of stopping That's and starting? Right. Well, you're, you're right about asking for a process because people can say, oh, I, I want to do it. It sounds good in theory, but I don't know how. So it's very, very difficult to change habits. So people do need 
I, uh, structure. So I offer a lot of different specific ideas in the book. And really, there's two broad areas. The first is how to manage your brain, internal mm. single tasking. So start to heighten your awareness of what I call your self-talk. When is your brain present with your body and when is it absent from what you're in the middle of doing? So anytime that your brain is not in sync with where, where you are physically, you aren't being as effective as you could be otherwise. So when your brain is thinking about, oh, I wish I'd done this differently in the meeting earlier today, or, or I'm really I'm nervous about this big presentation tomorrow, then you're not being focused and you're being scattered. So try and pull and rein in your thoughts to where you are right now. That's the only way you can really make a difference in your life is by being present in the here and now. The second piece of this is to be is to control your environment. Okay, and this okay. includes your electronics, your physical environment, eliminating clutter, so that that also can help you with single tasking. So I love that. And that's a good segue because I really believe without being disrespectful that our technology companies are enabling us, right? Because you've got instant messaging and you've got the, the audible ping when the email comes through or the tweet, you know, and, and we're like Pavlov's dogs because we respond <laughs> to these stimuli, right? So do you think technology companies will, will eventually catch up with the research to realize multitasking is not healthy? Yeah, I do, and I think that they are. And I love your example of Pavlov's dogs because in my book, I actually compare a smartphone to a puppy. <laughs> so have you ever had a friend or maybe yourself who's had a puppy and they're really sweet and wonderful and cute and adorable and great, or someone who's had a puppy who's out of control and just is just a bundle of confusion and right. craziness. Spastic puppy. Yep. With a smartphone. It's mm -hmm. not the puppy's fault. It's because of how the owner trains it. Yeah. And it's, we can't blame our smartphones. It's how we manage our technology. And this part of the book I call, if, you're smart, if your phone is so smart, can you teach it to heal? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good so, stuff. So it's, it's really an out to say, oh, I blame my phone or I blame my technology. Technologies can be great. The point is, is we need to take control of the situation. We need to be in charge of our tablets and our computers instead of letting them be in charge of us. Now, when you asked about when will, you know, the the technological uh, experts really start seeing the light. And I think they're starting to. There are Good. ways to manage them. Like we can turn off certain dings. However, there's a lot of things we can do ourselves. For example, I call it unbundling. Mm. So it's really fantastic in a way that we have this one tiny little device that we can take photos with and set alarms and do all kinds of things. On the other hand, it can be very detrimental. So we might think about where can we unbundle our lives. For example, if you go on a holiday, a vacation for a weekend, and you bring your smartphone to take photos, that's nice on the one hand. On the other hand, you have this little um, piece of technology with you that you could potentially get stressful emails or texts right. or IMs that might bring you out of your vacation mental state. So how about just bringing an actual camera again and not having that with you? Or we all know from the sleep experts, the worst thing we can do before going to bed is checking our emails right. because it can potentially have something that makes us anxious and then we can't sleep all night. How about using a, an alarm clock again? And so when you're setting your alarm, all you're doing is setting your alarm. Mm -hmm. So think about ways to, to, to unbundle your life. I like it. Unbundle. So what are some techniques? Now you, you talked, those were some techniques right there, but, but I want to start with the simple. I mean, do you wake up every day, Deborah, and say, okay, I'm going to go Zen. I'm going to, I'm going to single task, you know, do you have to literally train yourself mentally or is, is it just a moment by moment opportunity? It really, and I, I, I do a lot of work in personality. So it depends on your, I, I, I give a different techniques for different personalities. Mm, so yeah. I think the idea of Zen meditation is great. I'm not an, a particularly 
perfect example of Zen state. However, I'm a morning person and I am an introvert and I like to spend time. So every day I spend time alone and I spend time organizing my day, making a list of what I need to do that day and getting centered for somebody else. And I, someone else, it might be, you know, meditating for 10 minutes, but what you do want to do is to, um, cluster task, what are similar tasks during the day and organize your day. That's very efficient. So this term I have called cluster tasking is get together certain aspects of your day that could potentially take over your day. For example, sending and receiving emails. Some people do that all day long, every day. And at the end of the day, they're like, I didn't get anything tangible done again. So organize your day in the sense that, okay, so for example, three times a day, maybe in the morning, after lunch, and and before I leave work at the end of the day, I'm going to do 20 to 30 minutes of sending and receiving emails instead of letting it spill out over my entire day. So and that a- works. I can tell you, I went to that technique kicking and screaming, but <laughs> I love it now. Great. I'm so glad to hear it. That's really good. Um, another example is, uh, is if you, if you decide that you're going to, uh, only let people interrupt you at certain times during the day. So you set up certain barriers or boundaries when you're working on tasks that require like intense focus. So it's just taking control of your day and your time. I love it. So what I'm hearing, just to reiterate, you're going to unbundle, you're going to cluster tasks and really set boundaries. So you regain control. That's right. Good stuff. Devorah, I'm so delighted to have you on the show. Let's talk about how we can buy your book and how we can follow you online. Sure thing. So you can buy my book, Single Tasking, on um, any online retailer. It's available on any online retailer and also in your local bookstores. You can find me online at uh, two different ways. Devorah, uh, my Twitter account is Devorah underscore Zach. That's D-E-V-O-R-A. My last name is Z-A-C-K. You can find me online at my company website, singletaskingbook.com or my company name, myonlyconnect.com. Brilliant. Devorah Zak, author of Single Tasking, Get More Done, One Thing at a Time. What a joy to have you on. I'm so eager to recommend this book. I hope all of our listeners go out and get it right away. It will save your professional and personal lives. <laughs> it really could. <laughs> Devorah, thank you for sharing your time and expertise with me today. It was great talking with you. And I want to thank you all for listening to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.